Jin, you know, you can't miss it if you've been in India over the last three, four years. It's everywhere. Whether you're in a swanky speakeasy in Bombay or on a beach shack in Goa or in a house party where your fancy friend is requesting a cucumber peel to dip into his gin and tonic. The gin craze can't escape you. Today's topic is all about gin, so stay tuned. Hello, hello, hello. I'm Savant. Hello, listeners. My name is Ronnie and welcome to another episode of Surface Scratchers, the podcast where we ask the deepest questions facing mankind today. Questions like what is the meaning of life, the universe and everything else? Today's episode, like Savant mentioned, we're talking about gin. Gin, like Douglas Adams mentioned in his book, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, is a part of 85% of all known worlds in the galaxy, be they primitive or highly advanced. So something that's as crucial as gin to the entire galaxy deserves an episode of its own. But you know, that's so factually correct because... And when we do touch upon how gin is made, you just see how it's a generic term for an alcohol with an infusion. So what what they are mentioning in the book is is not like incorrect. So it could be an omnipresent alcohol. Who knows? Who knows? So let's jump right into it, man. Uh, so tell me about what gin has meant to you in your life so far. Because growing up, actually, for me, gin wasn't... Uh, too much of a you know big alcohol yeah same gin had zero presence in my life actually not zero presence so uh, just like most of us who who did start their tryst with alcohol back in engineering college uh, in your quote unquote shady bars around the college <laughs> like one of the days of experimentation was ordering brew ribbon or blue riband as the as the bar guys <laughs> would call it have it with a splash of Sprite or Limca and then just get smashed. So, so yeah, it wasn't like completely absent. But the way gin has entered our lives in the last three years now, it's 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 unbelievable. In fact, I don't think anything or any fad in the whole realm of consumerism has had as big an impact in the last two, three years as would have had in our life as gin has. So what about you, man? Like, do you, A, do you dig gin? And if you do, like, what's your gin style? Hey, for, for me also, I think it was exactly the same as you. Growing up, starting drinking while I was in engineering, Blue Ribbon was something, it was the only gin that was avail- available. Yeah. And let's be honest, it's not something that's really good either. Hey, and, I will prove you wrong, huh, Ron. But yeah, haan, go we, ahead. We, we, we'll come back to that. But anyway, yeah. uh, and the absence of something like tonic water, which uh, which possibly, even if you were able to find it, would cost as much as a quarter of blue <laughs> ribbon to begin with, just made it, you know, a little out of reach for for us. Yeah. And, and I don't know why, but th- there were these rumors that, you know, gin would make you impotent, <laughs> reduce your sperm <laughs> count. <laughs> yeah, like how there was that casual misogyny also of, uh, you know, gin being a lady's drink. That Have was also that? there. Huh, yes. Yeah. yes. Yeah, maybe hence the aversion or general proliferation of gin in in india but yeah right. what about now though so now now i, I kind of like gin and if you offer me blue ribbon i will i will take it man i actually like blue ribbon quite a bit and, and just that because now we're on it so blue i'm just going to call it blue riband because that's what <laughs> our bar did so blue riband won apparently some global award in brussels 
for the most authentic botanical taste <laughs> of all gins in the world. Apparently, the hints of orange zest and lemon peel was so strong that it really goes well in most of these gin cocktails. So, uh, and also, like as a part of this research, I was on YouTube and checking out these gin reviews, and some bartenders in India have reviewed uh, Blue Ribbon. And uh, genuinely, now that gin is so evolved in India, genuinely they think highly of that alcohol. So, props to Blue Ribbon for. uh slumming it out back in the day but surviving strong and now i'm pretty sure it'll make a huge comeback with how gin is just developing in this i i hope so too i hope so too but but like you mentioned in the introduction the number of gin brands that are there in india today i think outnumber these craft breweries that uh, sell there you know hefe yeah. weizen and ipa and all of that i think there are at least 7 or 8 really good gin brands today that are recognized yeah. world over as you know solid and and now there's scale also so it kind of makes business sense so if you are a brewery would you like spend so much on bottling for a days worth of drinking versus gin bottles which usually last longer and and you can price them higher also so we'll we'll touch upon the indian genesence as it's called in a bit uh, but before that ron should i step right in and explain to our listeners what exactly is gin even for sure for sure go ahead man Okay so let's start with gin. So gin is basically a shortened form of the old Dutch word of Ginever which also was uh, an alcohol. Whether you call it gin or the old English word Ginever or the Dutch word Ginever or the French word Ginevre all of them are ultimately derived from juniperus the Latin word for juniper. And juniper is what makes gin gin. Okay. Gin Ladies and gentlemen, big reveal is just like any other fermented alcohol that's made from grain, just with a little bit of infusion of juniper. But it's not something fancy. It's not something fancy. So, you know, when when it's kind of cool to to diss on vodka, but gin is just uh, vodka with a little bit of flavor. But I'll come to that in a bit. Gin has this like if you if you if you smell gin or just taste gin, it has this meadowy, earthy, pine-like flavor, right? That flavor is the flavor that juniper berries give. Okay, juniper berries are not berries; they're something like seed cones or like pine cones uh, from conifer forests. There is there are two hints that you get when you taste gin. One is this earthy flavor, and the other are these layered, uh, you know, slightly citrusy. notes if i may call that and sound a little fancy damn fancy you sound these citrusy or spicy notes na come from something called botanicals so botanicals are basically flavoring agents and they can be anything like from a lemon peel or an orange peel uh, or star anise or peppercorn or cloves or even cinnamon or grapefruit etc so these flavors make gin what it is right now so it's literally just a regular neutral spirit with these lovely flavor infusions i was trying to research a little bit on juniper berries and i i i know if there is an indian word a more relatable word but uh, so apparently somewhere uh, it's it mentioned that juniper is called dhoop chandan so if our listeners know what that is then great otherwise juniper's hindi word on the on the internet is juniper so <laughs> coming back to gin and and how gin is produced So, like I said, what, how gin is produced is first you take any neutral spirit, okay, 
this neutral spirit like most spirits is from a fermented mash of some sort of a grain or beets or potatoes or sugarcane or even grapes okay so you take this neutral spirit in the, in a very concentrated form you redistill it with juniper berries okay and most of you would be aware of the distillation process uh, you redistill it and once it evaporates and condenses it then you pass these botanicals through it in a pot still so botanicals could be any of these spices or fruits uh, that i mentioned just just right now okay uh, once you pass it and you redistill it with these botanicals you kind of manage the alcohol or the abv the alcohol by volume to anywhere between 30 to 45% and you immediately bottle it so unlike whiskey which requires casking or just aging gin the moment is produced it's bottled so technically gin is not even that expensive to produce except maybe a few of the exotic raw materials so mm-hmm. if you're paying like 4 5000 bucks for a bottle of fancy gin then then think twice because this has <laughs> just been produced and bottled like yesterday so the extra premium that you pay for beautiful single malt you don't even need to do that here but but marketing is what marketing is and that's what makes gin beautiful right so that's how gin is produced ron over to you and i hope you will cover the history of geneva a little bit in in your segment on the history of gin but before we get into the history of gin itself there uh-huh. are two things that you know were really critical to the mention of gin one is of course the juniper berry hmm. and this thing was apparently something that is been in history for its medicinal usages for for a very very long time so much so that you know during the plague and all you you've seen these plague doctors and huh, the guys with who wear those masks with those long beaks they used to stuff juniper berries in those nostrils hmm. or those beaks to oh, you know cool. apparently protect them from uh, from the plague so it's had medicinal uses for coughs colds pains and all of that that was the og n95 mask no Uh-huh. or the vix vapor up type thing it okay. was <laughs> juniper berry was that so that always existed and towards the 11th century or something is when the still that is you know the equipment used for distilling mm, alcohol made its way into italy this place in italy called salerno in southern italy is where there were these monks who were you know making medicinal tinctures and potions and all of that they got hold of their Uh, of the still mm. combined juniper berries because juniper was very very uh, common in in this area of salerno yeah. and started mixing them and making alcoholic juniper infused stuff so that is the oldest origins of gin in a sense but uh, you know it was very localized to italy because you know the technology couldn't spread too much so later on when uh, gutenberg invented the printing press the communication of ideas you know was much easier and this this technology reached the dutch and it is the dutch that started making geneva what you hmm. called uh, grandfather of, of gin. gin yeah and the first recipe that you know people found for gin was in this book called making burned wine now i'm going to say the dutch also go for it and massacre it Om Gebrande Win Te Mekan. Sounds Malayali to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the Dutch uh, pioneered making uh, gin. They called it Geneva. There were two versions of Geneva. There was some old version. There was some young version. 
and this had nothing to do with aging it was just you know the age of the technology that was used so geneva existed as you know a separate thing but how gin's popularity exploded was during the 1600s when the english soldiers the english monarch i think was elizabeth the first uh, tried helping out the dutch uh, drive out the catholic spaniards from from uh, the netherlands okay. and what the english soldiers saw when they were fighting the spanish with the dutch on their side the dutch soldiers were chuma taking shots of this geneva <laughs> before they ran into battle <laughs> to give them a little more courage or bravery or whatever so this uh this you know kind of spread in the english soldiers also i think they also took a few shots etc and thus uh, these english soldiers brought the gin craze or whatever to england and in the 1700s na gin grew in so much popularity uh, across across england because there were some uh, you know taxes and uh, duties that were put on importing brandy and wine from france and all of that so people like you said it was a very easy process to do so they started making it at home huh. and it was crazy you know the amount of gin that was being consumed apparently during this you know the 1700s there were two pints of gin being consumed for every man woman and child in england per wow. week and a pint i think the english pint is some 500 something ml so 1 liter for every man child and woman per week was being consumed in hey, is that the time when it was called i read this somewhere the mother's ruin absolutely absolutely so this Yay. was yes so gin was gin was called mother's ruin because people were just randomly drinking gin a lot 75% of babies in england died beca- before they were 5 years old and actually infertility was a problem so maybe misconception that we had that you know gin causes infertility may have some grounding in truth because there was something related to this so all of this was being done through something called a pot still which is your traditional copper still where you know even whiskey is made today it looks like a hershey's kiss chocolate so it's somewhat of yeah. a conical hmm. shaped thing and the problem with this uh, still was that you know it wasn't really very good at distilling the alcohol so the dis- the vapors that were distilled had some you know shady stuff in it as well it was not pure pure alcohol so to hide the taste of all of that people used to put in things like turpentine sulfuric acid a lot of sugar in it oh god to you know uh-huh. make it more palatable and drinkable in 1831 uh, this guy called kofi this uh, invented something called the column still which is a vertical column and helps you distill gin a lot better and what happened as a result of this you didn't you got a lot cleaner alcohol so here you didn't need to add in all of these turpentine sulfuric acid type of stuff to make hmm. it palatable botanicals were of course still added and uh, here then gin you know all these brands like gordons tankery all took off and the british raj then brought gin to places like india uh, and then you know we hit a new level of popularity with that but then coming closer to where we are today post you know 1950s uh, all of that mm. gin wasn't so popular and it was bombay sapphire which apparently is not a very old gin it was launched in the 80s yeah. and what the company that you know had bombay sapphire did was they uh, reduced the percentage of alcohol in their gin 
from 40% to 37.5%. I think these okay. were uh, Gordon's and Tankery as well. I think both of these uh, were owned by the same company. And this saving in 2.5% of uh, uh, alcohol, you know, helped them save some excise payments as well. And they invested that in marketing gin and making it a little more popular. Oh. So that led to a new gin craze as well. All right, now that we've seen the history of gin, we just quickly talk about the different gin varieties that exist today. Really quickly, uh, the most uh, ancient type of gin is something called coal compounded gin. This is essentially what uh, Savant you mentioned earlier, where you take neutral alcohol, you take these essential oils or whatever it is, and just mix it together uh-huh. and stir it, stir it up. Uh, this is not supposedly very high class or you know the nice way to drink gin, but this was what was very very common in the 1920s uh, prohibition era in the United States, and uh, cool. this was called bathtub gin as well because apparently these people it was not that they'd make the gin in their bathtubs, but they'd make it in canisters or something, and it would be very very potent strong gin, and to dilute it with water they couldn't pour water from their kitchen sink and they take it to their bathtub and pour water from the bathtub ka tap. Oh. And is that is that why, and because this was such a rage during the prohibition, is that why most of these speakeasy bars around the world serve gin as their liquor of choice? What makes sense over here is that, you know, gin's not a very complex alcohol to make, unlike uh, whiskey or beer, which requires some maturation and things like that. It could be made at home. Ah. So maybe it was easier for people to, you know, get it from the bathtub to the bottle and send it off straight to speakeasies. Cool. So that was compounded gin, cold compounded gin. So any of these, any of these uh, big gin brands, are they compounded gin? I don't think so, right? Of course not. So no, no very popular. Not even Blue Riband. I hope not because that would really, (laughs) really put a spanner in the works for me. Yeah. Right. So the other What's pop- next? Yeah, the other popular type of gin that everyone knows today is London dry gin. And London dry gin is is not does not have anything to do with the city of London. It's not a geographically uh you know protected thing or something like that. Our uh, greater than gin that's commonly available in India is a London dry gin. And like I'd alluded to earlier, this was something that came out after the Kofi still or the continuous still was discovered where you could get a better neutral alcohol to start off with and you didn't need to add in turpentine and sulfuric acid and things like that. So this this type of gin where you know you're getting very pure spirit and adding just your botanicals which of course have juniper as you know the flavor or the uh, mm. the agent that is up front is your London dry gin. Uh, Geneva, like we discussed earlier, uh, is is some is the ancestor of gin and is predominantly made today in Holland, Belgium and some provinces in France and uh, Germany. So there are again two types of Geneva. Jonger Geneva, which is young Geneva. It, this one has a neutral taste like, you know, vodka and with a slight aroma of juniper. 
old Geneva is something that is aged in wood and all of that. So it's a lot closer to whiskey than, you know, gin is to vodka typically. Then comes the last category, which is, you know, something that is becoming very, very popular today, which are the new Western modern gins. Okay. The only difference over here, Savant, is that uh, juniper is still the main flavor, but it does not stand out as much as it would in a London dry gin. So here you have relative, relatively low levels of juniper. Okay. And like how uh, Hendrix has cucumbers flavor standing out a little bit, maybe a little bit more pronounced than you would have in other gins. Uh, these gins like, you know, Hendrix, Aviation, a few special ones of Tanqueray that come out like Tanqueray, Malacca, Rampur are these uh, new Western dry gins. What's the difference though? It's just the uh, juniper content. Yeah, just, just relatively lower levels of juniper and the supporting botanicals, you know, take up the center stage. To the next segment, Ron, uh, the gin is a great alcohol to make cocktails with. I'm sure most of our listeners would have tried some cocktail or the other. Uh, we we all know the most famous cocktail, gin and tonic. Uh, Ron, is it? do you like gin and tonic as a cocktail generally? I love gin and tonic. I really like, you know, freshly opened uh, tonic water, which is fizzy and cold and put it with a little bit of lime and mint and have it. I actually don't like just gin and tonic because the tonic these days, I don't know, they just are, are quite sweet. So I like my gin, like maybe half tonic and the rest is soda or just water. Okay, But there are these new tonics that have come, bro. In the market. Oh yeah, dude. If you're on Instagram, like you'll be targeted with every other tonic company. This Swami Tonics and and Fever Tree, of course, is big. But a host of lot of tonic water companies are like now exploding with this Jinnasans in India. So I know what you mean. Right, and tonic, of course, has an Indian connection, which I'm sure you're gonna speak about later as well. Yes, I will. Con- I will. I will cover that in my next segment. But a very simple cocktail to make just two ingredients if you need to do it and tonic water is available in a neighborhood supermarket hey, but well. you know what like most of these gin cocktails are very simple to make mm-hmm. okay the second most popular gin cocktail in the world is a martini mm-hmm. now the whole world when sean connery as james bond asks for his martini shaken but not stirred he asks for a vodka martini usually so largely a lot of people are mistaken that martinis are vodka based it's not like a martini Correct. is Traditionally, gin, vermouth and olive brine with those olive pieces. Yeah, but in, in one of the uh, James Bond movies, I think it was Casino Royale, where huh. uh, Daniel Craig sits on the table and he calls out to a waiter and reads out a list of ingredients and how he wants his martini made. He, huh. he asks for Gordon's uh, gin to be put in, not some fancy gin either. It was oh, Gordon's gin. So it's and almost every- like some some gin fanatics would have raised this stink after a few movies and said, Ki bhai, next time, don't make this mistake. Absolutely. Absolutely. And he said it in such a nice way that I remember that scene. Everyone around the table just went around saying that I'll have what he's having. And there were five more <laughs> uh-huh. orders of that. Cool. Uh, then some, talking about, again, simple cocktails with gin. So gin with lime water in many combinations are like really famous cocktails. So a gimlet is basically just by the way, interesting story of Gimlet, it was invented as a means to stab off scurvy. So in the 19th century, the British soldiers had this one big 
vitamin C deficiency outbreak of scurvy. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in order to administer lime juice or make it more palatable, they would add gin and gimlet was formed. So stupid that <laughs> it's difficult <laughs> to intake lime juice that they had to mix it with gin. But yeah, that's how Gimlet was born. Then there's Tom Collins, which is basically a Gimlet with a little more lemon, what lemon juice than, than a Gimlet is. Uh, you add a little bit of fizz, a little bit of egg whites, and it becomes a gin fizz. So general lime juice and and any basic gin, even a blue ribbon, tastes really good in, in either a Gimlet or a Tom Collins. Then there is a Negroni. If you have the ingredients, another very simple cocktail to make. It's basically a one is to one is to one of... Uh, Gin, vermouth, and uh, Campari, which is an Italian liquor. And and with the Negroni, apparently, uh, it was traditionally Campari and vermouth that was had with soda water. Ah. So there was this Count Negroni, some Italian lord or something, who told his waiter in some club, ki, don't add soda water, add gin. So gin plus this one plus this one became the Negroni named after him because he switched out soda water for, for ah. that. And then there's the Singapore sling. Have you heard of it? Oh, yeah. I've had it also in Singapore yeah. once when I went. It's damn nice. Yeah. Very fruity. Very fruity, very colorful. Again, couple of bitters like Angustra bitters with gin. A lot of sweet liquors, pineapple juice, orange juice, and a very colorful drink uh, originating in Singapore. So yeah, very nice alcohol to make cocktails with. Uh, if cocktail, what's your favorite though, bro? If you had to drink some gin cocktail right now, and you had all the ingredients, I really, really like a a, a gin fizz. Uh, it's also like generally, if you go, you know, to most of these European countries, it's also very affordable and very tasty. They don't get it wrong. But generally, at home, mm-hmm. maybe just a bag of gin, half tonic, half soda, and maybe a slice of cucumber. On a hot summer's day, it tastes really, really good. Uh, ditto for me as yeah. well. Okay, move, moving on to the last segment of the day. And this is the genesis in India, or largely just the Indian connection of, of, of why suddenly gin has exploded and if they had some historical significance as well. So generally, India and gin go back a long, long time, right? Uh Actually, before that, let's just look at some of these famous brands with Indian references. So there's Bombay Sapphire. Have you heard of Star of Bombay, Ron? It's by the same guys that yeah. Bombay Sapphire. Then there is the Tanqueray Rangpur. Then there is a Jodhpur Gin. Mm-hmm. Then there's a Colombo Number no. 1. All of these guys, mm-hmm. all of these big brands have nothing to do with India as such. Because gin, like I mentioned in my first segment, is so much about the flavor of the botanicals. And a lot of these flavors are Indian spices. Just to jazz up the quote-unquote experience of drinking these brands, they use a lot of these Indian-influenced terms. So it's literally like the opposite of when we shirt shirts, we call it Louis Philippe. So just to make it seem like you know it's fancy and European, just you know to, to, to put forth the flavor bomb that gin is, they will Indianize it. But that's not what I'm talking about. The Indian connect of gin goes back even longer. Uh, so gin and tonic, one of our favorite cocktails, lays its origins to India with uh, the outbreak of malaria that really impacted the British soldiers in the early 19th century. Uh, what They were advised by doctors to consume quinine. And quinine has an extremely bitter taste. So apparently some 
Indian guy, uh, and not really referenced a lot on the internet or in history, this Indian guy recommended that you take quinine, uh, you sweeten it up with a little bit of sugar, water, and add gin. And that's the invention of gin and tonic. Uh, do you have any more add-ons on this story? Because I find it really cool that gin and tonic was invented in our country. Right. No, uh, I, I think this guy took a lesson out of uh, the sailors not drinking lime juice because of <laughs> uh, because it tasted bad. So if medicine doesn't uh, suit your taste, add exactly. gin. Maybe the COVID vaccine should be given <laughs> with a shot of vodka or something. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, so that's the that's a real strong connection of India with gin and tonic. Anyway, coming to now where we are, you know, in 2021. And the last three, four years has seen this absolute explosion of the gin culture in India, like we've spoken so much about. So how did this mm-hmm. even come about? Like there is no story as such. But generally, most alcohol cultures come with bar culture. So generally, like, you know, bartenders dictate what's going to happen next in the alcohol consumerism of a country. So generally Ooh. in uh, between 2014 and 18, the UK saw a huge spike in gin. So it went from a 750 million pound market to somewhere around a 3 billion pound market. Four times in four yes. years. Yes, and UK saw this surge. The whole world saw a surge and, and Indian bartenders were taking you know uh, cognizance of sudden surge of gins. And they started introducing this culture. So whenever uh, customers would come up to them, what's your special? They started pushing a lot of gins in the 2016, around 2016, 2017. And this cocktail revolution also in India uh, was, was running parallelly with it. And that's the the, the whole initiation of, of Indian youngsters in gin. Literally every single entrepreneur wants to invest in gin. Super interesting fact, Ron, that despite only 1%, you know, it's really low volume, right? Only 1% of mm-hmm. all distilled drinks sold in India is gin. India is apparently mm-hmm. already the fifth largest consumer of gin worldwide. I can't get myself to believe that statistic. Wow. You know, and That's yeah, nice. and sales are expected to rise from a million cases in 2018 to apparent, apparently like 3 to 3.5 million cases by 2022. Wow, that's three years. Yeah. And three times. Exactly. And, uh, not a lot of businesses scale to that extent, you know. And in India, what's happening is most of these distilleries are Goa-based, uh, generally because it's you know mm-hmm. they have a much more chill culture when it comes to alcohol and and production of alcohol and licenses is also very easy. But the biggest reason why gin has exploded in India is because they found the price point. Like I explained, the gin production is not very expensive to make. You can have really okay. good quality gin range between 1000 to 2500 rupees for a bottle okay so you have that sweet mm-hmm. spot where people can afford to have good alcohol you have access to great botanicals india is a great mm-hmm. market for flavors indians love anything that's flavorful and sweet and gin cocktails are right. a great combination of them and that's where this whole explosion of brands came into india so there's greater than that you mentioned it's i think the only london dry gin made in india as of now but their botanicals are, they pride on their botanicals being international. So they are one of those Indian gins that talk about international botanicals like, you know, lemon peel and 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 South like Southeast Asian ginger and all that. Greater than apparently was right. made to compete with global gins. Hapusa, like you mentioned, okay. is the Sanskrit word for juniper. This gin mm-hmm. is very proud of its Indian heritage. 
So even the juniper they use is not Sicilian juniper or Moldovian juniper like most of these gins use. It's Himalayan juniper, and all their botanicals right. are also you know like turmeric, uh, and their lime is this Gondoraj, the king of lime. They have dried mango right, from the Bengali. Yeah, one. exactly. They have dried mango from Uttarakhand. Uh, Stranger and Sons, a bottle which I'm holding as we speak, also prides itself on its botanical. So all of these guys are playing the market of flavor. All of their bottles mm-hmm. will talk about the flavors that they're trying to do. So Stranger and Sons, the bottle says rather peculiar botanicals, handpicked and blended, and their botanicals are largely coriander. So in Hindi only they've written hapusha, zaifal, javitri, dhania, uh, jet. Sound like Meshwak toothpaste. <laughs> yeah, so it is the Meshwak toothpaste of gins. So, Stranger and Sun. So, that's Stranger and Sun. Then there's another brand that's really popping right now, which you would think is really expensive and, and international. It goes by the name of Jaisalmer. Have you heard of it? Right, I've seen it. Yeah, I've if you look it. at the bottle, it's like any of these Jodhpur, uh, Rangre, in fact, fancier bottle. Okay, expensive alcohol, but it. The, it comes from Radiko Khaitan, which is one of the oldest distilleries <laughs> of India. The same guys who make Magic Moments vodka. So, J- Jaisalmer has nothing to do with Jaisalmer in Rajasthan. It It's made somewhere. It's just fancy. You give Rajasthan, <laughs> you give the image of Rajasthan and suddenly the world loves it. So, No, but it's, it's so nice to see that, you know, like you mentioned earlier, uh, Bombay Sapphire and uh, Rangpur and all were global brands. Indianizing their names to make it look yeah. legitimate. Now we have Indian companies Indianizing their <laughs> brands to make it look legitimate. We've gone the vocal for local. On that note, it brings us to the end of this super fun episode, guys. Uh, I hope you guys are sipping your gins as you listen to us. If you want to drop in your feedback or comments or suggestions, please drop in a mail to surfacecratchers at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, guys. Do check out our previous episodes as well on your favorite uh, podcast app. See you next Saturday with a fresh episode. Take care.